Hello everyone and welcome back to Morning Shot Uncut. Apologies we didn't have last week's show released. I was basically dying, but I'm back and I'm not dead. And Byron is not really happy about that. So hi, Byron. Hello, Ramon. Yes, Ramon last week was not on the show because he's a soy boy. And, you know, he was doing what soy boys do. Cry when they get man flu. It was a proper man flu though. Bloody hell. Very much so. But anyway, so apologies for that. We are healed once again and uh, we are back but you know who else is back baron martin kingston and for those who might not know we made a video of martin kingston a while ago he's basically cyril's right hand oligarch he's the ceo of Rothschilds, which is a bank in south africa and he basically has sort of run all of the economic policy during covid he bankrolled a lot of the vaccine procurement during COVID, and he had this outsized influence on Cyril Ramaphosa. And the reason why he has that is because I suspect Kingston was the guy who got Ramaphosa his original BE deals back in the 90s and the 2000s. So we thought after COVID, cool, Martin Kingston is gone. Screw that guy. But no, unfortunately not. He's back. Yeah. So for those of you who really want to get an easier way to understand who this guy is, Think Juju's white monopoly capitalist. This is him. And when Juju says this, there's a guy behind Ramaphosa who's controlling everything. This is him. So we showed you in the video that we did how this guy basically was always a Cyril speeches, Sonos and so forth, standing behind Cyril. Almost like, hey, do what I tell you, because the gun's at your back. So yeah, this is a rather... um interesting sordid individual with uh, a long pedigree of uh, swaying South African politics. So why is this all relevant? Well, Cyril recently had a, uh, what do they call them these days? Their little get-togethers. We used to call them lechotlas. Yeah. Well, he had a little... um, Yeah, it always sounds like someone like really has a bad post-nasal drip when they say that. Excuse you. No, no, that's what I'm describing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well you recently had a, a round table discussion with with business in the country apparently all you have to do to discuss all business in the country is get like six people there and that they speak for everybody apparently and uh he asked them what do you what can we do to uh, work together in a better way and they made loads of commitments on behalf of the private sector while speaking for no one in the private sector which obviously should tell you everything you want to know about the outcome of this, right? Like no one's going to do fuck all because they don't have the mandate to speak for fucking anyone. So they, he said, what do, you, what do you need? They said, well, we need the Hawks to run better. We need more access to electricity. We need better water, you know, water without cholera. And, uh, you know, we need we need a better MPA. And Cyril said, well, then what are you looking at government for? Because we can't do any of that. And they said, oh, well, you know, we, we've got some money. Maybe we can fund it. And he said, oh, if you want to fund it, knock yourself out. And so they said, cool. So we own the MPA now. So basically, in short, it sounds like almost the privatization of a lot of industry in South Africa. But Ramon, we know from previous experience that this is horseshit because they're going to go have all of these stupid dumbass meetings, commit to everything, and then deliver nothing. And then blame everybody else because they didn't deliver it. Now, Ramon, before you comment on this, I actually want to give you an example of that. 
Remember when Gwede Matashe said, oh, the problem with the energy sector is that the private industry was not interested in investing in private electricity. And they didn't want to plug in and sell us electricity. And that's why we got none in the country. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember that. But it turned out the private industry was more than willing to plug in a shitload of electricity. And Gwede just didn't want it because he wanted power ships and coal. Do you remember that? Well, I mean, I want coal too, to be honest. So Gwede is right on one stage. But I think you're missing the point here, Byron. The point is not that these people are going to fix it. Because they're not. The point is, mm. this is a coup, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Right? You got CEO of of Rothschild and other Western backed financial houses, basically having a little lachotla with Ramaphosa Paul himself. This is this is very undemocratic, and I'm not democ- I'm not democrat either. So don't get me wrong. But if they do do something, so it's going to take the merits for it and it will help him in his uh, elections in time to come if they don't do it well it's a very good way to extract a lot of important things from the state it's basically business helping the anc run the state now i don't know about you byron but i'm an accelerationist i want the state to crumble as fast as possible and these fuckers are getting in the way of that that's my biggest So where I think that we disagree on this front is actually something that we previously warned Andre Dorator on. And we said to Andre Dorator, be careful you don't become a scapegoat for the ANC's failures. And lo and behold, when Andre wanted to leave, all of a sudden the reason ESCOM failed is because of Andre, right? It wasn't because there was massive corruption and tenders and more sorts of shit going on at ESCOM. They tried to use him as a scapegoat. So I would say the same thing all over again. The point that I'm making is that business being asked to help the state when we all know business will not be allowed to help the state will just mean that the state blames business when it all fails yeah but i think the the people that want to reform the state you know like Cyril was supposed to do that they they sort of know he can't so they're going to help reform it for him but they're going to reform I it dis- that i, I disagree I disagree that Cyril didn't that Cyril wanted to reform the state and didn't do it. Cyril did want to reform the state and he did do it. I think that what we what people don't understand is what reform meant and looked like. They thought that reform meant that he was going to become a capitalist and he was going to transform the state further along into liberalizing it like it would an American market. That is not what Cyril wanted. Cyril wanted stage two of the national democratic revolution he wanted to destroy the state bring it further down to his knees so that he could reform it as he said post-covid let's rebuild the economy back blacker better and blacker right cyril wanted a specific form of reformation in the south african economy Mm -hmm. it is not what everybody thought it was so everybody misunderstood him but cyril has achieved what he set out to achieve having achieved it He's in on fuck all else. Well, I mean, who do you think uh, is was he's making the most money from BE deals? Rothschild, Martin Kingston. This is not good. These people are actually moderately competent Cyrils, in other words. That's why it's a big problem for me. Right. I'm not a libertarian. I don't think the state should be privatized, the state should be destroyed. But in essence, what these people are doing is like they are preventing that 
cataclysmic event from happening that fundamentally changes South Africa forever. And they really are rain-seeking as much as possible in during that period of time. And it's really annoying when these people get away scot-free while screwing up everything. Like, Sills president, he should have policy control of the country. But meanwhile, these people who have made all their money from pure rent-seeking are going to be the ones dictating some form of change, which is blacker, even though they are white, and, and raking millions of it from it, thanks to their proximity to the president. I find that disgusting. Agreed. I really do. Agreed. Agreed. You know, but Ramon, by you saying that you want to destroy the state, you know what that means, my friend? means you don't like democracy. That's and true. because you don't like democracy, you want to destroy the sacredness of the state. But here's the problem, Ramon. I'm going to actually use an example, right? So in let's use the example of casinos because it's a really easy example, right? Yeah. I know that the audience are going to have an example of casinos. I'm going to actually use it in the UK context just so I don't offend anybody in, in South Africa, right? So if I set up a casino in the middle of a, of a high street, the middle of a, a shopping zone in the UK, the laws state that if the building is empty and derelict and I go and I want to renovate it and employ people, but I want to put like a little, a little casino there, maybe some slot machines, the law states I have to go to the public and allow the public to come back to give me their voice because that's their democratic right. Yeah. So I need to give the public a degree of consultation. If the public come back and say, oh, we don't want it because of that, they won't grant me the ability or the approval to open it. So I read an actual case law where this happened and they tried to sue the Oxfordshire council for it. And so what happened was there was a building there a grade listed building has been there for 130 years. The building is not in a great state and somebody wanted to buy the building, renovate it and put a little casino shop in it. By doing that, they promised to employ 20 different people. They were told because some, a couple Karens came out, you know, those Karens, the building had been empty for 15 years. There was nothing there. Vagrants were sleeping around the place. So this guy would have renovated and transformed the place. A couple Karens came out and said, well, we don't want this because, you know, casinos bring the worst out in people. They get people with gambling addictions to go there and then they spend their money. And, you know, when they spend their money, then they're homeless. And then, you know, they really struggle. And we really shouldn't be helping people have addictions. And in doing that, obviously, they went out and they stopped the casino from opening. So what's the moral of the story here? Democracy stopped these indiv this individual creating an economic opportunity, employing 20 people, and renovating a high street with something that was usable and turning a disused building into something that was usable. Why? Because the Karens were more obsessed about the state controlling my vices than saying you can do what you want there it hurts nobody and the people that frequent your establishment must have their own degree of self-control and must take responsibility for the choices that they make 
people no longer have those responsibilities in democracy because everybody else is now going to be responsible for my choices. And in being responsible for my choices, you basically rob me of the ability to make a choice anyway because you're going to control me in that respect, right? Because it's the right thing for the state to do. And so from that perspective, let us remind ourselves when somebody turns around and says, oh, but you're advocating the death of democracy. Yeah, you probably are, Ramon. I think that uh, you don't agree with it, do you? Well, I've never said otherwise. <laughs> democracy is uh, to be ruled by mediocrity and it's showing up all over the world. I mean, which states would we want to go live in? Democratic states or authoritarian states? If I look at myself, could I live in Russia? Probably. Could I live in Rwanda? Probably. Could I live in Zimbabwe? Yeah, probably. I mean, I wouldn't maybe not want to do that, but I could live there. Do I want to live in Australia? No. Do I want to live in England? No. Do I want to live in El Salvador? Yes. Like authoritarian states are just better places to be in at the moment. Do I want to live in Singapore? Absolutely. Let's go to the most democratic states of them all, America. I mean, you told me the story of your mate maybe wanting to move back from America because it's just such a shit show there and everyone takes offense to absolutely everything. So you can't actually talk in public because your dustbin man might like film you and CNN is going to hunt you down for making a meme or something. I mean, that's not a, that's dystopian. It just sounds terrible. I'd rather just live in Singapore where they hang drug dealers and that's that. Simple. Simplicity rules. And I like simplicity a lot. Yeah, I mean, the moral of the story is this is actually what we used to have, right? I mean, the state would actually be governed by a, a defining principle, and the defining principle is what would pursue the state if it was like individual. This is what happened with liberty, right? The 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 principle that pursued everybody that lived there was that of liberty, but also responsibility. You had to be responsible with your liberty. No one has any form of responsibility anymore. And so as a result, I think they have no liberty. I think even that's a myth, though, Byron. You still like sort of like a classical liberal from like 10 years ago. He thinks we just need to do it right. Like I think everything we're seeing, the chaos in the world was born from that classical liberalism of the enlightenment. And therefore we can't put the, you know, what you call it, the rabbit back in the hat in this regard. So just accept that as a natural progression of classical liberalism, of individual rights and free speech and all that wonderful stuff. And then we must just say, well, we shouldn't do that again. We need some another form of politics to get us out of it and for us to thrive once more. So, yeah, that's just my two cents on that. You feel free to disagree, of course. Yeah, of course, and I understand why you say what you say. The, I suppose the only real question is, and we have this even in the South African context, right? And so that's why this is relevant. It's like if we got rid of the democratic state, what would we put? What would we put in this place? Nothing. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. You can take uh, you can take over this country with five guys with pointy twos at this at this at this rate. Yeah, we made that joke earlier today. Yeah, as you said before. I mean, what they're going to do? Send the army? He's going to run out of petrol on the way? Who will fire blanks because they've got no more ammunition? I mean, the state is so done, and yet we're still trying to make a living by talking about it every day on this channel. It's weird. <laughs> it is really strange. It's a job, man. What are you trying to do? Put us out of business? No, of course, it's the state. It's well, it's it's well run. It's well it's run. Very well run. And, and very evil. Smart and people. Probably, 
That's why we need to fight it all the time. Yeah, it's very, very um, authoritarian <laughs> state. Speaking of uh, people uh, that don't sort of exist or that have failed, I see Cyril Ramaphosa wants to go to Russia directly to basically beg Putin not to come to South Africa. <laughs> yeah, so apparently, do you remember when Pandor turned around and said the BRICS conference is going nowhere? It's happening right here in South Africa. And she was really, really keen on that. She's like, we're having it. Well, obviously, yes. the Americans told them, you can have it and we're going to sanction you into Zimbabwe status. And they were like, oh, shit. Does that mean we can't go to Dubai anymore then? And like, well, shit you on chicks, chicks or something. No, you can go to Dubai. Um, it's one of the places that doesn't care too much about that sort of stuff. So anyway, so they, they then all shut them, their pants because of a goer and the exchange rate crashing and everybody telling Cyril he's a puss like we do. And uh, yeah, so now apparently uh, Durko, who's her department, has said, oh, we, we'd really like it to move to China because the ICC came out and said, you know how you guys thought that you could get around the rules? Uh, no, you can't. You have to arrest him if he stands foot on your territory. So now the entire government's going, holy shit, we really fucked this one up, guys, didn't we? So they basically said, can we go to China? And the Chinese said, yeah, sure thing, no problems. And we covered that in the video, right, Ramon? I mean, it would mm -hmm. benefit China immensely to to go there so that they can discuss infrastructure pro projects around China. But as we said, Putin's not really interested in that. He wants to come to South Africa because he wants to cause <laughs> he wants to cause some fallout. Proper Chad man. And uh yeah, so now Cyril's having to go there and uh potentially do some fellatio to uh to get Putin to agree to go to China. I think what's going on here is that we, we sort of know that Cyril's funded by the Americans and American interests because of Martin Kingston and all the other people around him. Whereas ANC is funded by Russia itself, right? Mm. So, and then the DA is funded by the Americans in the West and things like that. So, to me, I don't think Cyril was ever like sort of very pro-Putin. He's not pro-anything, right? Except pro-talking cock at a social compact meeting. That's always pro at anything. So, mm. who's really impressed me is Nadeli Pandor, actually, as the Minister of International Affairs or whatever they call it these days. Really? She's been, yeah, she's been quite forthright. She's she's actually shown the hypocrisy of the West in terms of Ukraine and saying that if sovereignty is so important, why don't you speak for the sovereignty of Libyans or the Palestinian people? I'm like, I mean, pretty cool. Yeah, good argument. I'm not going to lie. She's all on board the multipolar world. She's all on board the BRICS and BRICS summit and talking to these sort of people, and they seem to like her quite a bit. So she is pretty based. Like, I'm actually very impressed with what Nandeli Pandor has done. It's a very difficult situation for her, and I think she's she's done extremely well. We'll see how long she lasts in her position. But Cyril probably has his money in dollars somewhere. Doesn't want to have sanctions mm. against him. And he's like, fuck, the Americans are funding me and Putin. Like, I don't really care because I don't really have an ideology. I'm just a vessel for pure hatred of the ANC. So therefore, Cyril's trying his very best to make sure that Putin doesn't arrive here. And in trying to make that happen, he looks utterly, utterly pathetic, as always. I think I think there's a fundamental problem, though, with what's going on in that, as you rightly say, the ANC is funded by... The Russians, Cyril might be funded by who, who, who the hell knows. But I think the fundamental problem, actually, in all of this is that Cyril wants what the ANC does not. But Cyril doesn't control his party enough to get his own way. 
He has no constituency. He's a vendor. That's it. And so we've seen this time and time again, right? I mean, he tells his cabinet ministers to do X and they go and do Y. You know, his cabinet ministers in some degrees have have more, more autonomy than Cyril does. So I think it's going to be very interesting because he's saying to them, oh, please don't bring him. And they're like, no, nah, we're going to bring him. And he's like, the only way for him to to stop that happening would be, well, pull a Zuma, fire them and just reshuffle your cabinet. But as we've seen throughout Cyril's entire reign, Cyril don't fire people, mate. He very rarely shuffles his cabinet. And most of the people he employs are as incompetent as fuck. So I think there's a still I still think there's a hard possibility Putin might land on South African soil. Well, I certainly hope he does. I certainly hope he does. But the fundamental problem with the with the sorry with the Ramaphosa administration is that the guy doesn't have an ethnic constituency of numbers. That's what that's what holds him back. That's why he's beholden to everyone and no one at the same time. Mbeki and Mandela had all the Kozas. Zuma had all the Zulus. And these are substantial constituencies that will look after them at all costs. Cyril's a vendor or a petty or something. I don't, I don't know what he is. I think it's a vendor. What, what are they known for? Growing avocados. Like, and there's like two of them that do it. Come on. No. And and journos keep missing this point. They're like, oh, well, they're all black, so therefore they all get along. Like, no, mate. Like, ethnicity really counts. Yeah, but pan-Africanism. Come on. All the blacks are the same. Oh, yeah, we've heard that many times. Yeah, pan-Africanism, when you take a machete and chop off children's arms in Rwanda, how's that for pan-Africanism? Um, but yeah, that's why the ANC is such a mess under Sarah Raposa, because by choosing him, because he's so personable and speaks English so well, you're choosing a person that doesn't have any natural ethnic linguistic constituency in the ANC either. And we do know the ANC is not about leadership qualities or competence. It's about who can pull the greatest constituency. And he's only there because he's more That's popular. democracy. No, well done. There you go. Another example of democracy at, at play. So therefore, he's going to try and beg Putin not to come. I wish I wish we had a hidden camera somewhere to see that because that would be hilarious. So I think the problem is, Ramon, the one thing I disagree with you is that, that Cyril does have a constituency. It's just not an ethnic one. And the ANC thought to themselves that the consistency that Cyril brings with him is that of business because he's a businessman. Mm. He brings the he brings the business constituency. Business will follow him. And to a large degree in 2017, when he came in, that's actually exactly what happened. Business yeah. did fall behind him. We saw a rally in the markets. We saw people investing here. We saw bonds getting sold at a record rate. Like people were actually buying into whole the whole Ramaphoria thing. The whole Ramaphoria thing was based around business was around based around business confidence. So to a large degree, that was his constituency. The problem is when your constituency is not ethnic, it can desert you rather quickly. And that's actually exactly what's happened with Ramaphosa made. Business has deserted him. And we covered this in a video as well where we said business basically doesn't back this guy anymore because they feel he's a failed he's a failed guy. So now he's been left on his own. And I think where that's going to become really important actually is, is closer to 2024, because we recently saw an example of one of Cyril's staunchest allies was actually the premier of the Eastern Cape. As we know, the Eastern Cape people were backing Cyril rather heavily. I mean, the north of the country wasn't so keen on him, but the, the Eastern Cape was very keen on Cyril. Why? I don't know. Well, anyway, this guy's recently just entered into a court case against Cyril, 
if he hadn't noticed, because obviously the Fort Hare controversy, he wants Cyril and uh, the government to stop <laughs> investigating. And so he issued a court case to say, stop looking, stop looking, because he knows what they're going to find. And that is that his degrees are fake and he's a fraud. So, but that in, his, that in itself, he started to become very anti-Cyril because of the supposed cleanup campaign. So it does look like it, even Cyril's support that was there in numbers is starting to dwindle. You know, yep. he's lost the confidence of business. He's lost the confidence of, of key constituencies within, you know, the country itself. So you have to ask yourself the question, look, well, who's still backing this guy apart from people like your man who possibly think that they can still use him for now to make a quick buck. I think that's it. He's only got grifters around him. No one that actually shares a vision because he doesn't have a vision. That's the essence of the uh, Ron Paul administration. So uh, anyway, I, I still hope that Putin does touch down. Once again, for the sole reason, I want to see Adam Wendy attempt a citizen's arrest of the man and get shot in the face by a Spitznet special officer <laughs> from like two kilometers away. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. Imagine he lands in Cape Town and Putin has to like walk across the, the Pride crosswalk or something. That would be a, a photo for the ages. Cyril, what is this mess on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Some kids. His foot is bent. This is a pride. This is a this is a pride parade. <laughs> yes, we also have lots of pride for Mother Russia. But what is this pride? <laughs> no, that's that's for the gays, Cyril. Yeah, uh, that's for the gays, Putin. What do you mean the gays? Yes, of course I'm happy. I'm happy to be in South Africa. It's not going to go well, man. It's really not going to go well. Oh, this country is such a fucking nightmare. It's like Woolworths with the trans ally now. I don't know if he's been watching that. I did see that. Why? And every single, and every person that came onto Twitter and said, well, was why? They were like, block. It's <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's, everybody's blocked from Woolworths. Now Woolworths have zero followers because they blocked everyone. <laughs> Really I, went to go buy, I, I buy Woolworths. I don't give a shit. Anyway, I went to go buy some vegetables or something yesterday. And it's like a huge, and it's a small city Woolworths. It's not like a big mall. And there's like a, we are proudly tr- pr- ally. And there's an LGBTQI plus two plus one plus five QX flag over there. But it's got the tranny flag in it. Now, you know, call me a hater all you want. I don't mind the gays. I don't mind the lesbos, especially when, anyway, I don't mind those two. What I really hate is like the men who think they are women and vice versa. Because those people sort of just need a bit of help with coercion. Like those people are evil. Like the trannies of this world are evil. It's not a real thing. Trans people don't exist. It's bullshit. And for them to be lumped in with the gays and the lesbos, whom I know, right? Lesbos in dungarees and with like, you know, thick keychains who like train dogs and shit like that based people gays same thing for the most part based people then you got the trannies are just fucking up the whole thing that's terrible <laughs> and so wrong. says Ramon <laughs> oh, I, I, like I, I, do you know do you know what I think is going to happen I think if Putin got down and actually landed here on South African soil and this is this is South African politics and all 
in a nutshell, right? Especially from an international perspective. Putin's going to rock up. You're going to see the pride, the fraud flags on the, the floor and he's going to be like, I thought you people blend the gays. I read something somewhere. The gays are bent because no one knows what's the difference between Ugandan laws and South African laws. It's all African laws, right? I mean, it's like, it's all the same. He's going to be, he's going to be very surprised to see we actually have these things in South Africa. Yeah. Is there any reason whatsoever for a food retailer to say that uh, we support men dressed as women? No, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, it is Pride Month, man. So, you know, they're doing the typical Western thing of joining on the Pride Parade. I mean, this is, this is just the bog standard now, isn't it? It's like uh, Pride Month where we celebrate the obliterating of our species because gay people, trannies and lesbians don't generally tend to breed. No, they don't. Which also means that Good. Which also means there's a whole section of Woolworths that actually doesn't apply to them. Noticeably, the child zones. <laughs> you know, you can't really sell to them. So if you really think about it, it's like really counterproductive of Woolworths to basically say, well, here's a month where we get really prideful. And you see that section over there? Yeah, no one's shopping there this month. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it I seems really weird. Oh, cool. Okay, what about adult nappies? Oh, sold out, mate. Sold out. <laughs> But when I was a kid, pride was a sin. And still it's a sin. Why are, <laughs> Why are we celebrating this? Mm. All things dumb. And I can see Byron being a little bit anxious because he's a classical liberal, whereas I'm based. I'm like, pride is a sin it, and should be banned. Just, re- just remember that in Dante's Inferno, there's a whole circle in hell based for people with pride. Exactly. And we're fucking living in it. We don't have electricity, but goddamn, we, there's still a lot of fire from that circle of hell. <laughs> well, you see, the funny the funny part is, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't actually tend to understand this. And actually, maybe we should do it in a, a different podcast, but there is actually a big, massive concern now about population collapse around the world because population replacement rates are actually well below what most countries need. And so a lot of countries, especially countries like America, the U, the UK and so forth, are all actually deeply, deeply worried about potential population collapse, which is why they immig- they allowing immigration to their country in record numbers. There are other places though, in like China, where they're actually very annoyed about foreign immigration because they feel that they built whole apartment blocks. But those apartment blocks are all now being basically lived in by grannies. The grannies are all set to die at some point, obviously, and then those entire places become ghost towns where nobody lives. Population collapse is actually a real thing, mate. And so from that perspective, you have to remind yourself that biblically there was a reason why the Bible was not very pro to any form of gaze. And that is, let us not forget that in the actual books in the Bible that talks about it, we're basically talking about you know Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And those two books were written during the Israelites' wandering period, where they were obviously 40 years in the desert, wandering to find their their new holy land, which obviously they eventually settled on Judah. But the moral of the story there is when you're a wandering tribe, you generally tend to get attacked quite a bit. When you get tend to get attacked, you're in constant warfare. Well, you need to have a fresh, constant supply of soldiers. And you know what, man? The gays don't reproduce. So technically speaking, when the White House says there's a mass genocide occurring on the gays, they are correct. The only difference is that it's a genocide to themselves 
because gays don't reproduce, but they don't have kids. They don't generally tend to have uh, follow-on spawn, and certainly all the all the trannies on their uh, their, their both their birth hormones and their sexual assignment. Well, in case they haven't forgotten, um, those do some massive damage to the reproductive organs. So the chances of actually reproducing after that are non-existent. Yeah, I mean, so, I, you know, like for people to self-actualize these days, you need to mutate yourself, become a eunuch, cut off your natural bits, and then somehow you are vaunted, and then you sort of tank butt light sales for the next decade. Like this is this is what modernity is. Like it's, the point. The point that I'm trying to make. Way down. But this is what the point I'm trying to make, mate. The point I'm trying to make is that. A lot of this seems really bizarre because we all know the population collapse is going to occur within the next 20 to 30 years, and it is going to be devastating to most world economies. It may actually result in the collapse of many a state unless it is reversed. Having campaigns where you basically encourage the speed up of population collapse, like Pride Month, seems counterintuitive. It just seems stupid. It's like we're all celebrating like... Happy the end of humanity day, everybody. And we celebrate it for one month every year. It's like, it's dumb, man. All whilst telling you all the world's going to burn and we need to go green. Otherwise, we're going to destroy the planet. Well, maybe it's okay. part of that sort of Malthusian green energy genocide thing. There's too many people on the planet we need to reduce the population. Maybe that that is it. But there is a story in the Bible about... What's that story in the Bible where they are sort of... I think it was Bread and Circus's thing. Like they're celebrating something and then the volcano explodes. I can't remember. And everyone dies. Oh, anyway, I can't. I can't. I can't remember the story. But that's what that's what it feels like. I haven't read the Bible in many years. I do apologize. But that's really. I think. What it feels I think like. you need to. I think you need to pick up your Bible again and you need to start reading the good book. It is actually a good book to read. I would argue probably the best book to read ever. You don't have to be religious to read it and appreciate it for what it is. So yeah. I agree with that. I need, I need to find a, a copy of it somewhere. I actually want to talk to you about you something else. you have one in else. your house somewhere. No, I do have one. In my bookshelf right there. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I have one that uh, I'm very, very happy to say that I found in BE. And it was uh, a Bible given to a World War II soldier by uh, General Jan Smuts. How cool is that? Really? Uh, I don't like Jan signed by the signed, signed by the general himself. I will only accept what if it's signed by Jesus. Then it's worth a lot of money. I know someone else signing your work. Come on now. Fuck. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I've got, can... a, I've got a poster of like, I don't know, Freddie Mercury, but you know who signed it? Ramon. That <laughs> devalues it. No, this, book, this, book, this book was genuinely signed by General Jan Smuts. But if you want, I will get you a Bible signed by Jesus. Jesus will sign your sign your on your Bible, no problem, mate. I don't know who he is, and you won't know who he is, but at least you'll have Jesus' signature in it. I'm I'm sure there's a scam somewhere in Venezuela where they sell Bibles online signed by Jesus, Jesus. And meanwhile, it's it's literally Jesus (laughs) shipping them from Venezuela. Well, technically, he didn't lie. You didn't ask which one. That's correct. You assumed. You assumed. That's your mistake. That is correct. Must read the fine print. Um, it's very much like the person who tried, he sold off parts of the moon for like thousands of dollars at a, a pop. 
I made lots of money. I'm not surprised. I'm not no, surprised. I'm not surprised either. So what's the other thing you wanted to talk about? I have no idea. I've spoken about everything I wanted to talk about, to be honest. All right. I thought you said there's something else I wanted to talk to you, talk to you about. Yeah. Right, cool. What's this? Going to be I interesting. have forgotten. I have forgotten. But don't population collapse in Africa, we find. So that's why I'm staying. Hashtag, I'm staying. Everywhere else. Apparently, apparently not, though. Huh? Apparently, apparently, looking at the statistics, even Africa has this problem. There are, however, some areas in Africa that doesn't have this problem and is generally tending to be areas of African population that do not allow birth control. So the population of Africa had a 2.37% increase in 2022. That's not bad. Correct. <clears throat> the problem, remember that these, these problems are problems that occur within decades, not within years. Yes, of that's why most people aren't aware of them. And so when they actually look at the statistics, judging it by the decades to come and the habits of societies, the we are still on track for a population collapse within Africa. Now, actually, there, there is saying there is saying positive about all of this, folks. It's not all like, oh, let's cry. And so one of the things they were saying is that you have to take into account population collapse and then also couple it with the collapse in employment, which will obviously be, will occur through AI. Because as we know, AI is now becoming more prevalent and that does obviously have impacts on the working environment. A lot of jobs can now be done by AI where they would have required a person to do it before. Mm -hmm. And why that it becomes very interesting in itself is that they are saying that the idea of having a man and a woman, a two-person income in a household will probably disappear and we will have to go back to a single person in the household working with the other staying in the household to actually raise a family. And the rationale for that is that there actually won't be enough jobs to be able to support both members of families in the workplace. What do you think of that? Ah, core bullshit. It's genuinely part of the study. Yeah, study muddy. I think it's bullshit. I don't think that's, that's true at all. I think all these things have always been terribly overblown. And... Um... No, the state needs a two-income household to have double the taxes and to have atomized individuals that can become trainees. So the incentive is too great. They'll probably stop AI first before they stop that. Well, I'm not even half That's actually what's happening. That's apparently what's happening. So uh, news is that Rishi Sunak in the UK has been appointed as the, uh, the world's chief against the AI defense, which to me, when I read it, I did think... Is this the Matrix? Have we set up the Human Defense League against the against the the machines? What the hell is AI Pretty defense? Bizarre. Oh, they apparently are already starting to put things in place just in case the AI goes rogue and the AI attack us all. Oh, they will. At least will. There'll be something to. That'll be great. So everyone with like a, 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 a like you know those electronic vacuum that does their own shit. Like, imagine those start attacking all the rich people in Silicon Valley. That'd be great. Proper attack of the uh, of the technology on their people. I mean, yeah, but they won't have electricity, so we'll be fine. <laughs> so, all this stuff doesn't happen in South Africa, so I really don't care. <laughs> if the Dyson <laughs> eats your baby in San Francisco, in fact, that's your problem. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No. Dustin starts to Dustin starts to get a little bit too big for his boots. He's coming out to kill everybody in the house, and then there's load shedding. <laughs> like, hey, I'll get back. I mean, I kill you. 
But give me two hours because low shedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, stage six, Baba. Six and four and a half hours for you, my friend. Yeah. So we we really got built-in defenses to the takeover of the attack of the robots in South Africa. It's called load shedding. And we just switch off everything. <laughs> it works. By we, we mean the government. Yeah, the and government. They do it anyway. So actually, it's actually a brilliant idea to prevent AI from taking over this country. Now that you think about it. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Maybe that's about. actually what Greta has been doing all along. That's been right. Protecting us. Protecting us from from savage robot vacuum cleaners <laughs> and things. And I think you've just given cars. the ANC. <laughs> I think you've just given the ANC a plan on how to how to real life their 2024 election campaign. I told you we need to apply to become their their propaganda arm because we were sent the ANC's outline for the election in 2024, and it's basically. Please, God, just tell the world that we did something right. <laughs> Basically, that was it. Basically. So there you go. So listen, this is an AI prevention defensive technique. It can be, you know, we can implement it all over the world. And all you have to do is drive somewhere and flick a switch. It's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. We call it load shedding, but we can call it something else. We can call it, uh, uh, I don't know, AI defense protocol or something defense drills they are defense drills we do them daily because you never know when the ai might strike it could be at any hour of the day which is why the load shedding schedule always changes because <laughs> you see the ai knows patterns but if you short circuit those patterns through load shedding boom saved one minute load shedding suspended next minute boom stage four who saw that coming oh the ai that's for sure so there you go. Brilliant. That's at least a 20 million rand idea, Byron. We should have <laughs> the house with this. Oh, shit. I can actually imagine them actually doing it. That's the problem. <laughs> I'll be like, our voter base is stupid enough. They'll believe this. Sounds good. Well done, Ron. Yeah. 20 million rand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. So, so, everyone, so instead of giving everyone a smart meter to switch off the geezer, it's like, no, you don't need any of this stuff. It's... We don't want the geezer to attack you, so we'll just switch it off for everyone for you. at the same time. Just for in case. You. That's right. You're not dangerous if that geezer becomes self-aware and then like explodes hot water on you. It could kill you. I got ANC's got you covered. You know what they're gonna do? No hot water at all. Then just think when the geezer gets hot, which it's not gonna, but if the geezer explodes, it's just gonna be it's gonna be cold water, mate. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. The ANC is so caring. They're so caring, man. We're way ahead. They should make uh, Gwede Mantashi the head of the AR defense chairman or whatever, whatever that position is called. Well, there we go. That's at least a 20 million idea for the ANC. We should definitely go and tell them. Unfortunately, we would do PR for the ANC, but we were discussing this the other day. What happens if we don't get paid? Because now we can't take like the Tuli House's collateral anymore. So I don't know what's left other than the Tuli House. Maybe a few pamphlets, like some posters with Mandela on it. Arms cash. Uh, I think that what we could do is we could use Cyril's couch as collateral. Because we all know that that's worth some cash. <laughs> How much exactly? No one really knows, let alone him. <laughs> but, you know, it's worth a shot, isn't it? Worst case that. scenario, we repossess it and we're like pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Was there a story, Al Capone's safe or something, or strong room in the 90s? And some TV guy was like doing this documentary for 20 years 
And then live, they like opened up the safe and there was like fuck all in there. And it was like the biggest ratings hit sort of at the time. He became very famous. I think his name was Gerald Rivero or something. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But we can do one of those. Unboxings like Cyril's couch when we do take position. You know, talking of Cyril's couch, have you seen the advert yet for We Buy Cars? No. The one where they, they basically have an advert where the guy goes to a game farm and he's looking at all the different animals and then like one animal comes up and it's like uh, 20 million rands and he's like, oh, I want that one, I want that one. And the guy comes and he brings his couch. He says, you can pay by couch. <laughs> and the guy brings his couch and he starts shoving all the money in it. It's like, that's such a ballsy advert, mate. Come on. Only in South Africa would we actually take something like that and just make fun of it. I'm surprised they have money for adverts because they're bleeding cash left and right. But kudos to them. Which brings me on to sort of my final point, Byron. Thank you for reminding me. I read the, a piece uh, this week. Like, South Africa is not a failed state. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. And then I actually read it. It's a failure. And the guy makes a very good point. He's like, you know, say whatever you want about the ANC, but those fuckers sort of respect the constitution to some extent, mm. right? They don't... They're not arresting John Steenhazen, even though I think it would be good for John Steenhazen if they do arrest him. Imagine the PR from that. They're not like sort of throwing journalists in jail, though we do wish they would. I mean, I'm not saying this is good because it's good. It's what this guy was saying was... No, it's good because it's bad. And bad brings publicity. That's right. That's what you Like, I wish the ANC were more based and did throw like people in jail and especially journos like Caesar and Paul Walsh. But at the end of the day... This this thing that it's a failing state but not failed state is quite quite accurate, and the fact that they can have an advert of like couch stuffing cash for a car advert that that doesn't happen in many other places. No, even in democracies. Mm-mm. No, I and don't remember an advert. Because... Sorry, I don't remember an advert where Jonathan Trudeau's blackface was like used as a prop to sell something. I wish there was a real thing there. I, I wish there was, thing. but there wasn't. But here they would. I mean, our insurance made its whole business on blackface. I don't know if you remember those adverts. You went in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's very it's very interesting because that, I read that piece. And yes, they, so they talk about South Africa being, it's not just a failed state. It's a state of failure. It's a state that has failed as opposed to just a failed state. And the failure that they describe in this is actually just the failure of individuals. But it's also a failure of the government to take into account basically the obvious. And as you rightly say, the obvious sometimes is, and they talk about this quite a bit, like and we already on this this podcast, we talked about the failure of democracy in terms of getting people's voices together. And then sometimes they just prohibit the logical right so we talked about the example i gave of the the court case in in uh in the uk where they stopped a, a, a casino being made but in south africa the, some of the problems here are all because you know you've got these foreign ngos that want to come in and give their voice so we've seen that in you know the fracking industry the gas industry the mining industry and so the logical point of where there is a state of failure should be that i suppose to a large degree Montasha and the rest of them should just tell all these people to fuck off and just get on with it. Yeah. Which in most of Africa they would do. The ANC doesn't. It's rather bizarre. 
it is rather bizarre because maybe holding so many people there's no like sort of consistency in telling who to fuck off at what time that's essentially the problem but we could be fracking the crew we could be pulling gas out of the bay in Mossel bay we could have you know we still have gold mines we could like we're a really resource rich country and the fact Very that we're not even touching it it's just like absurd like you know how much can you steal if you're exploiting like all the minerals of this country you can steal so much more than what they're currently stealing at the moment just don't get it i actually saw i actually saw that as a meme it was dear cyril please grow the economy please do the right things to grow the economy just think of how much more tax you could steal if business was doing well it's true <laughs> so, it's absolutely it's true. true it's absolutely true like i don't get it right so if I was president, I would make like 10% growth and steal 1%, which is far more than 0.4% growth <laughs> and stealing 0.3%. You know, it doesn't add up. I don't understand it, really. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to steal a page from Fatboy and show Floyd Shabambi and say that the reason for this is because de democracy dictates that presidents are, are elected on a five-year basis. And so as a result... That's true. There's no real long-term planning. It's all short-term gains, man. Yeah, that's very true. Well, it's supposed to, I, I don't I don't have any short-term gains that Silver has made, that's for sure, for himself. But who knows? Maybe with Martin Kingston at his side, they, they can finally, like, I don't know, solve the post office or something. Though I have my sincere doubts. Oh, talking of the post office, you know, obviously it was bankrupt. So apparently having been bankrupted and then been ordered to liquidate, the country came in and the state basically said, no, 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 we can't allow that to happen. So they said, and so the court said, look, best I can do you is a business rescue. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be bankrupt anyway. So I thought that was actually really interesting because they basically rolled back a liquidation order in order to allow it to go back to business rescue. I don't know many examples where that's happened, mate. Uh, yeah, I don't really know or care much about the post office. It's always been a pain in the ass for me to actually go there. But they are, I mean, they can't rely on their old liquidator because he was murdered. So now they're relying on a new That's great. To save the second post office from financial ruin. Maybe it would be the same business rescue operation as they did for SAA, where, yeah, it's still not flying as far as I know. Great success. Yeah, so apparently this is... This was criticized this week, this very week, actually, in Parliament, where they basically said, didn't the new owners say they would have 10 plays up in the air by the uh, end of, I think it was end of May or end of June, and it's like, there are no planes. <laughs> no planes are flying. So apparently they, like are, a, they lied. So apparently there are a few flying to Cape Town. So the, the, the deal is, you must, you must book a seat on the SAA, you get a full meal, there's like two other people in the plane, and it's like basically the most comfortable flight to Cape Town you can ever get. No one did it the other day. He's like, it's great. You get three, you get meals. <laughs> no one's sitting next to you. You got the whole plane to yourself. It's all this for, all this for like 10 grand. Like, that's not like a bargain, mate. I mean, why fly like 10 grand? Why fly so fair at uh, six grand? Geez. And then you have to buy a bottle of water like some fucking poor person, right? Book SAA at your patriotic duty and they give you, and they give you a full meal. And there's no one else on the plane. So you can go to the cockpit, chat to the pilots, talk cuck to the air hostesses, join the Maha Club. I don't know. Do whatever the fuck you want. That's great. More people should fly SA to, to, to Cape Town. That's if you can find the flight. <laughs> you can. And they do offer like, as well, but don't do that. Just 
fly economy because no one else will. Just fly economy because business will be empty anyway. You can just walk over and sit there. <laughs> no one will notice. No, you might bump into Juju because they fly business to to Parliament. You know. Yeah, I know, but do they fly? Do they fly SAA? Of course, that's where they get the vouchers. So Parliament gives them ninety. Oh, vouchers. right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to book a flight. Let's see. I want to see. Departure departing. They said departing tomorrow till the twelfth. Let's see how much it costs. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we spend your time on our podcast. Booking flats <laughs> on SAA. Damn, yeah. it's cheap. A thousand right there on a Friday afternoon. Continue. And on the way back, 700 rand. Okay, it's not there 10 grand. Go, I lied. It's much cheaper. There you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first. SAA is flying and you can get your tickets cheap. Business class, 5,500 rand. It's probably a transformed uh, transformed pilot, which basically means that they're a blind person with diversity points. So if you get to Cape Town, congratulations. That's your prize. For the rest of it, this is cheap flights, eh? I don't know when last you booked a flight, but on Safair, for example, they say there's like 2,000 people looking at this flight. So you must buy now before the price goes up. You know, that sort of bullshit gimmick. SAA has the same thing, but it says five people are looking at this flight. Because everybody else bullshits it, and SA was like, no, 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 we'll do it for real. It's like five people. Exactly. Everyone else is bullshitting the system. It's like, it's like proper and truthful. Like three people are looking at this flight. So you better put it down. Three. How many, how many tickets are available? 400? <laughs> oh, okay. The double decker A380. <laughs> Uh, but that's also a problem. Last thing, quickly on SAA, <clears throat> they use these seven four sevens who who degrade faster if they land and take off more often. That's why they are used for long haul flights, right? So they like take off one day and land the next. Yeah, they use right. it for the Cape Town trip. <laughs> so they take off and land ten times a day. <laughs> then they wonder why the plane's fucked. Yep. Another tidbit for but you. Obviously, the whole the whole rationale of that is uh well. That's all I had, mate. That's what was left. So you know, just use what you have. Yeah. All the small, all the small planes got sold, didn't they? They all got small to sold to Kalulu and all the other rest of them. So I suppose it was only the big planes left in the fleet. That's right. That's why you should book SAA to fly anyway, because you can get business class, a meal, and no one else. So it's like basically a private flight for like three thousand rand. Right? In the biggest plane, the the flight that you can get in the skies. Based. It's a good deal, man. It's a good deal. But anyway, we have to be on our way. Any final thoughts, Byron? No, I suppose uh, everybody have a lovely weekend. Uh, thank you for listening to us talk shit. And uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on uh, on YouTube. And if you haven't already thought so, please do think about uh, actually going and paying for the podcast because that does obviously keep our lights on, as you know, South Africa. So even if you pay us, you know, we can't really pay for electricity because there isn't any. Um, but, you know, obviously, if you can become a member of, uh, of uh, Substack, you can watch us talk rubbish to each other and actually see our lovely faces. But with that all being said, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for letting us uh, talk shit to you on a Friday afternoon and hope you have a lovely weekend.
Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye.